0: Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder.
1: I'm Alex Argo.
2: And I'm Alex Robinson. This
0: is episode 32. Welcome back, gentlemen.
1: How's it going? It's
0: good. A little bit of a slow news week, don't you think?
1: I'd say that's fair.
0: So yeah, a little short topic list tonight, but we'll uh, we'll get through it and have some fun while we do it. So do any <laughs> of you know who got a Apple TV in the second round?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, So to clarify, I guess there was overwhelming demand for more developer kits. And I guess there's a little bit of confusion too, whether these are actually developer kits or just... Retail boxes?
1: Yeah, I saw something on Twitter that they basically said doesn't come with a USB C cable, uh, and it uh, would presumably in that case have the firmware on it at least, so you could boot something up and you have to buy your own USB C cable, which I'm sure are very plentiful, uh, but I'm not really sure where they got their information from, so maybe I can even find the tweet, who knows.
0: We'll do a real-time follow-up if we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I do know one guy that got one. And uh, I guess they're shipping out starting Monday. I'm not sure when they'll actually arrive. They'll probably arrive before this arrives in people's podcast feeds.
2: It's a race now. Yeah, I think the last batch only took two or three days on average. less than a week to ship yeah which
0: hey it's pretty good it's better than say the Apple Watch
2: yeah it's possible these will come from China instead of mine shipped from Pennsylvania hmm so it might take a little bit longer well
0: they could have preceded them out too
2: Uh, you know we don't really know how many dev kits they had but um, it's definitely a, a positive sign that a lot of developers want one and and hopefully are building great apps for it. I'm going to guess
0: that they have as many dev kits as they did attendees to WWDC.
1: In the first round or the second round?
0: Uh, at least the first round. And maybe they uh, opened up a door to it to some closet somewhere and found a whole bunch of other ones. I don't know.
2: It definitely seems like a reasonable guess. And what... Kind of on the Apple TV topic, you know, there was a announcement from Amazon that they're going to stop selling the Apple TV and the Chromecast because it's not compatible with the Amazon Prime Video. And it's becoming increasingly large part of their business that that may also suggest that we won't see Amazon Prime video on the new Apple TV which will be a bit of a disappointment
1: yeah I actually saw a story about that on The Verge it was was kind of interesting it sounds like uh, before the Apple TV when it was a closed platform the Amazon folks maybe had Thought they were going to get their their app on the old Apple TV like three years ago. And like inside sources had said, oh yeah, it'll be coming out by the end of the year or whatever. And it never came. So it seems like some type of internal negotiation thing was going on weird even back then. It's not Amazon refusing to do it. And uh, now obviously they now they can do it for sure because it's an open app submission thing and I, I wonder if there's some backroom negotiations going on still which yeah, is why it,
0: it seems it seems like a very odd time because yeah you know, it could have they could have put something out there possibly just like Netflix and all the other streaming services but it didn't end up there and I wonder if that's because Apple is not the most friendly towards other companies that compete with them, and Amazon does have their line of fire hardware, which is a, in direct competition.
2: Yeah, but it hasn't really stopped them from shipping apps for for iOS or Android uh, with the same content available, so...
1: It seems like they're trying to do anything they can to kind of not help the Apple TV get more sales and they're they're stopping selling the Google stuff too just yeah. kind of as a smokescreen it seems like.
2: Well Google announced updates to the Chromecast last week as well. Um not I don't think there's any like major new features. There's more colors, better antennas, uh smarter um Switching to make sure you have the best connection, but
1: yeah, but the the app store I think is the big big yeah. thing that they're like, oh, well, we need to do something about this.
2: And, yeah. I mean, I, I know people who have the Fire Stick and they love it. You know, you know people who typically are big fans of Apple products um, just because the Fire Stick is, you know, it's got Amazon Prime, it has Netflix, it probably has hulu on it as well so um it does arguably a little bit more open maybe a better experience i don't know
0: and if you have a 4k tv that amazon fire tv the new one will support that 4k whereas we're probably going to get that next year
1: or two years from now but there's not really any content right now i think apple tends to do the wait and see approach with any type of new standard unless it's something that they've come up with themselves and yeah i don't i mean internet connections still aren't even fast enough a lot of places to to stream (laughs) 1080p much less 4k so yeah real time follow-up though uh i found the tweet and basically the email that people got Said these are all the things that it includes and at the bottom it says USB A to USB C cable recommended. Sold separately, so it looks like it is definitely different hmm. for this second time around.
2: Fortunately the new Google phones that were announced last week have switched to USB C so we should see plenty of USB C cables out there now.
0: Well you're you're forgetting also that the MacBook does USB C so presumably they're out there well there's other laptops that
1: do it but not not lots of them like a mini or micro usb cable i mean
0: yeah it's it's probably still a rare cable but i bet you could go on to any generic cable site or not cable tv but cable selling site ebay or whatever and find some
1: oh yeah i'm sure they're they're acquirable you just can't go to your grocery store and pick them up probably yet like you can with other, like, USB mini cables or whatever.
2: Yeah, and they're definitely going to become a lot more commonplace.
1: Yeah, I'm really torn whether or not I want Apple to start using it on my iOS devices. Uh, I feel like I've finally, you know, invested in all these lightning cables, but now all my... Every new computer I'm going to buy is going to have USB-C. And would, it, would it just be easier if everything was that?
0: Well, it's still a weird format compared to the lightning cable. So it's got this tiny connector that envelops this piece inside the device, whereas the lightning cable slides right in there. Has the connections on the outside,
1: right? But it has all the ma- the main benefits, which is it's reversible. It's about the same size.
0: Yeah. is I worry about that little tongue inside of the device, it's going to get broken off if somebody tries to jam it in there incorrectly.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's similar to how a normal USB cable is now. So.
0: Yeah, I've seen those break.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have too, but. There's lots of cheap USB cables you can get, so it's all good.
0: No, I'm talking about more like inside the phone, but that's mostly because people were trying to jam them in upside down. Oh.
1: That's yeah. no good. No. But, I mean, the... Yeah, and that's not an issue anymore, but the, the other big thing is the bandwidth. Like, I don't think the lightning cables have the same type of bandwidth that a USB-C cable that, like, supports Thunderbolt can do. So I wonder if we're going to need to limit, like, when we're doing stuff with our iPad Pros, running Xcode on there, maybe, who knows, (laughs) where we're going to want something faster, too. And I just hope they don't just rev, like, a Lightning 2 cable. Mm, that sounds horrible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think the USB-C is supposed to dramatically increase in performance with the skylake chip. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, the skylake yeah. chip I mean that I think that's all the computers that have USB-C you have to have skylake or some like cutting edge chip, but it they have regular USB-C which are like crappy cables and then they have the USB-C and they have a little Thunderbolt logo on them, and you can tell those are the ones that have like high quality, whatever they have in there, that they can support all the good transfer speeds and stuff. They yeah. support Thunderbolt and all the display technology and all that good stuff.
0: If your laptop or whatever supports USB 3.1 Super Speed Plus, you'll get speeds up to 10 gigabyte, ten gigabits a second. And that's that's really fast.
1: And I think... The thunderbolt over usb 3 is even faster than that it's like 40 gigabytes bits a second or something like that let me look that up because but thunderbolt 3 which runs on a usb c cable can do 40 gigabits per second okay yeah I did that is correct because you need that like 10 gigabits per second is not enough for a 4k display you need like 20 gigabits per second for that
0: that's <laughs> hard to imagine.
1: So you're going to get your USB 3C cables that are running DisplayPort over Thunderbolt. I think is the correct. It's how it works. But they can do that really fast. So it's all good.
0: Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, we've got display makers that are experimenting with 8K devices now and even higher. It's, it's mind boggling.
1: Yeah, it, there's some places where that may be useful. There's a lot of places it won't be, which is probably like TVs and stuff where they're going to try to do it first. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or phones. Yeah. Some oh, yeah.
1: Those... Samsung's going to have their 8K phone just cuz <laughs> they can. Right. Although that's a good thing because the one of the main places you probably need it is for VR and Samsung works with oculus to do a lot of their displays for their headsets so Mm. that may not be a bad thing for using a phone from a foot away it's not useful at all i wouldn't think though (laughs) (laughs) no it's way beyond retina
0: overkill yeah and even the new i think it's the new sony xperia phone has some ungodly number of pixels per inch way 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 beyond retina I th- actually, it is a 4K display is what it is, and it's about the size of your iPhone. So it's just a huge number of pixels per inch.
1: Well, it's not retina right if you're holding it like two inches from your, your eye, though. you got to remember that. So for for <laughs> phone right. usage, not very useful. <laughs> right.
0: So without trying to break an NDA or anything, I will say that deploying an app to the Apple TV seems to be way faster than than I uh, imagined it would be. It's, it seems to be faster than going to a device. If you guys noticed that at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> but, but have you tried it? Other than some of the emulators and stuff you've been messing with? Oh, I it- would
2: did a decent amount of deploys during the hack day. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe it was just because I was deploying a small app with a lot of static resources that it went really fast. Maybe it was slow the first time and I just didn't realize it.
1: Yeah, are you used to like deploying super large apps that are like almost 100,000 lines of code if not that <laughs> and having to compile all that stuff before it gets deployed.
0: Well, I can definitely tell when it's done compiling. Or yeah. if
1: it, or if it's lots of little itty bitty files that have built up over time versus, yeah, just like a yeah. greenfield project. I'm guessing that's what it is because I haven't really noticed anything specifically.
0: Okay. Yeah, I will say. You know, I don't think we just just. Dist- I don't think we just broke our NDA but there was somebody in the news lately that did break their NDA and they really broke it. Did you guys see that stuff about I Fix It?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like, so, I mean, that's what they do. They, they get new products, they tear them apart and then they like post like how to fix it and all that good stuff. And they post a the tear down. And I think even in their town, they're like, yeah, we're pretty sure we're breaking this NDA, but whatever. We'll see what happens. And stuff happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the shoe fell.
1: Yeah, but yeah. it sounds like they just had one app in the app store.
0: And it wasn't very well maintained, and it was buggy.
1: So. Yeah, so they were like, well, we were already planning on making our mobile website even better. <laughs> uh, so now we're just going to double down on that.
0: Yeah, but now they can't sign up for all that preview hardware in the future. The question you got to ask is, why? Why would you even take the chance? And, and do, do you think they gained anything out of the like publicity out of it? Enough publicity that people are going to go, oh, I should go to iFixit to fix my new Apple TV when it comes out?
1: I don't know if they will necessarily for that specific purpose, but... I mean, they they must have thought the risk was worth, uh, and maybe they thought the risk was lower than it actually was. I don't know, but I mean, I'm sure they get lots of page views when they have some, like, exclusive teardown like that that all the other teardown sites don't have.
2: Now they're getting all this great free publicity from all the podcasts and sites covering... (laughs) The controversy.
0: This week's episode brought to you by iFixit. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) It is the place that I go to if I need to go buy a new screen or something like that. Or somebody tells me, can I go replace my iPhone 5 battery? You know, that kind of thing. I'll go there first before I go anywhere else. And they do have a lot of good videos. Enough of the fake sponsor ad.
1: Seems like mission accomplished then. <laughs> they've they've won you over, Sam.
2: But uh, yeah, they're good, they're a good reliable <laughs> website at least. And now a lot more people know about it.
1: Although this is kind of sad, not to go too far back, but I think I've probably watched more like videos on iFixit than I have on Amazon Prime Video just cuz there's no app on Apple TV yet. Does that, do you guys ever watch Amazon Prime Video or? I do. You do? Yeah. Do you watch it on some other device?
2: I'll watch it. Or on just my on your
1: iPad mostly. Your iPad,
2: okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch it too. They've got. There's a reasonable overlap with content on Netflix, but they have some original programming and some shows that Netflix doesn't have.
1: Yeah, I must be not normal then.
2: They also kind of do that teaser. They'll give you the first or second season of a of a series as part of the plan, and then you have to buy the latest season through them. So they kind of get you hooked, and then they make you pay for content later.
1: Universal Search would be great for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Supposedly Uh, Tim Cook is promising an API that everybody will have access to.
1: It's not even there yet, though, so it's going to be a while.
2: <laughs> yeah. Lots of betas going. Uh, we got a beta for El Capitan um, kind of bug fix release as well.
1: Speaking of El Capitan, it actually came out. You guys all using it on your your main machines now?
0: I'm using the developer beta.
2: I'm holding off. I, I'm not ready to give up access to xcode four yet so until I feel confident that I've got all my projects migrated and I'm, I'm not, not committing to El Capitan
0: Will it not run at all? Or, I mean, or can you, yeah. you at least open up the new project? Or- no. according,
2: to, according to their blog the architecture is significantly different That it can or maybe it was release notes the architecture is significantly different, that uh, you can't run xcode64 on El Capitan. I don't. Also, know the details.
1: Something there's something different about it. I've heard, but I've got El Capitan on my laptop, and I still need to use xcode64. Although I have other computers, I've not upgraded. But for my laptop, there's this basically the script that uh, changes. Like the info plist in Xcode to act like it's seven and then re-signs it as you, <laughs> which is kind of scary with all the Xcode ghost stuff going on. But I looked at the script, it looked like it was doing exactly what it said it was doing, so I ran it. Uh, and it'll run, but uh, people said that builds, if you submit from there, get rejected, and there are some bugginess with it too. Uh, but yeah, they they were probably just like, ah, oh, it doesn't work 100%, so we're not going to bother supporting it. And I don't blame them too much. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you want to do the same thing.
1: No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, right. yeah, about a, maybe it was a month ago, uh, we noticed that our three Mac apps that A-Star Software has in the Mac app store which have not been updated since 2012, uh, were broken on El Capitan. So we we were bummed, but we had to pull them. Uh, but that did not stop a flurry of support email uh, on the day that El Capitan came out. And a couple, like a little trickle beforehand. People saying, why doesn't my app work anymore? Uh, although, I guess the good thing that came from it is one... One user uh, found a workaround to get it to work,
2: mm.
1: so I've passed that on to my other users. Basically, there's when you open up the app, all of the buttons to do things from the main screen were all invisible, <laughs> but but they were actually there. So you could, you could click on tap. you could tap on something at the bottom and then hit the back button, and then you're back at the the main menu screen, and it works just like it used to. So I'm not really sure why that happened, but after all these users started writing us in, I was like, oh, maybe I should think about trying to fix this or something like that. So I'm looking back through my source code, trying to find a version that actually still builds. I went back to to 2012 in in Git, which is the same year we switched over to Git, and my first commit in Git did not even compile. (laughs) Oh. So... I'm thinking it's not gonna happen. Although we'll see. Maybe maybe yeah. a different approach to Mac OS ten or maybe with ten point twelve they'll let you run UI kit like Apple T V or something like that and it'll be a piece of cake.
0: So you, you didn't import your history when you moved from subversion to Git?
1: I thought we had, but it did not seem to be there. Oh. Uh. Yeah, we we must have failed on on that front because I I clearly remember testing out that it would preserve the history. <laughs> Maybe there's somewhere somewhere that it is that I'm not finding, but I don't. Our subversion repository is is defunct now too. So, eh, what are you gonna do? Write lots of support emails to angry users. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you can. Just take a Marco Arment's approach and just not respond to him. Just don't offer any support at all.
1: Yeah, our, our Mac apps cost about the same as Overcast does, and that is definitely his policy. But I feel bad. I don't know. I can't not do that. I, I think the big difference between his app and mine, though, is that a whole lot more people bought Overcast than bought our Mac apps. So... It's not as much of a burden on on me, especially with my text expander snippet and then the support person who handles some of them. So,
0: yeah, I, that's a that's a touchy subject though, too because his argument was he gets three fifty from, from each person at best, mm-hmm. because of Apple taking their cut out of yeah. his, his in app purchase. <laughs> So at best he's getting three fifty per person, and if he has to answer, you know, one support email per person, he's going to be in the hole. So for a one man shop, I can definitely see that.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing I would do something similar if I were in his shoes. And I mean, our company did the same thing for a very long time until we could afford to have someone else do the support because there's so much, and we have a free app. I, one of the differences for us at least is that we have a bunch of uh a bunch of reason to make them keep coming back to our app which, which is the ads in the app and if if we didn't then maybe we kind of take their money and run i guess which is kind of what marco does <laughs> yeah
0: well like yeah it's true i mean you've got an incentive to keep them coming back but He's although, got their, their money already.
1: Yeah. He, although there's still like reviews and, and stuff like that, that are other incentives to, to give people support. But it's, it, it sounds like he kind of uses it as like an engineering metric. Like if he sees a bunch of support email come in, that means he has to fix whatever is causing that or make his app so that it's all self-service so that you won't need to interact with support at all, which is, which is a good thing to do. You, you there's not always time for certain things for us to do that.
0: Yeah, but he is for our. He is a very popular podcast app. I mean, Overcast is for us. It's got the majority of uh, listens in there. More people use Overcast to listen to our podcast than people using the native built-in Apple iOS podcast.
1: That may have something to do with our audience
0: too. Right, but podcasters—people who listen to podcasts—are are going to be at least a little bit more technically act, um, like technically adept than your average phone user.
2: To be fair, Apple breaks their podcast app on a regular basis. In fact, there was a update. Uh, was it this week? Nine oh two. One of the things it fixes is the podcast app. Yeah, I think
1: the podcast app from Apple does even less support than Marco does, so Yeah. (laughs) They just leave their stuff out there broken because for whatever reason they can only update it like once a year it seems like.
0: Well now they need a whole new operating system release.
1: Yeah. Right. It's it's really hard to update that one.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very disappointing when they made that part of the operating system. Because before, yeah, they could rev it as much as they needed to. And, and it was still so buggy then, too. <laughs> it was. I don't know. I, I suffer through it. Just If I had a way of, say, exporting all my feeds inside of the podcast app and then importing it somewhere else, I'd probably switch over in a heartbeat.
1: They don't have an OPML export? If there is, I didn't find it. I think you might be able to do it from desktop iTunes, but I could be wrong.
0: That sounds right.
1: So if you have have your stuff iClouded, you should be able to free yourself from the, the chains of the <laughs> podcast app.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need to. It's It's gotten to be
2: too rough to use. I walked away from the Apple podcast app a long time ago just... Yeah, with the betas, it, it would just break so horribly every time. And I'm way too dependent on podcasts and audiobooks, so I have had to switch away from the music app and the podcast app and use third-party apps that typically are more reliable. Occasionally, those developers make mistakes too, but they get fixed fairly quickly, quicker than Apple's release cycles.
1: Yeah, all the stuff related to any audio seems like it's all in a very bad state right now. (laughs) We're just complaining about this but I just cancelled my iTunes uh, music or Apple Music subscription and now there's all these stupid tabs at the bottom of the app that I don't even use. I just have to use the like, my music tab to actually get to the stuff I want to do. It's super frustrating.
0: I, I never jumped on to the free trial so I've just been used to it from day 1.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: It is. There's 90% of that app you don't use anymore and
2: the 10% that you do use, it's hard to use. It wasn't bad like in the earlier days. I used it for podcasts and audiobooks worked reasonably well and uh, I could get to the things I wanted to do. I could customize the the tab bar, so Everything that I wanted was a tab away and and then it just started getting worse and worse,
1: piece by piece, it fell apart, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is you know it's odd because that's kind of their roots was you know with the iPod being a music player more than anything else um, that it seems like that is one of the least stable parts of the app or of the platform. But I think it's because they're constantly trying to improve the experience in some fashion, and sometimes maybe they do, and sometimes maybe they take it in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, there's always a chance that, say, in iOS 10, they'll pull that Apple Music stuff out into its own app
2: Man, I liked the idea of kind of the curated DJ um, radio stations, uh, curated music that could figure out what you like and customize it. And Pandora's decent, but um, you know, I, I was definitely interested to see what Apple could do. And quite frankly, I couldn't get past the onboarding process. It they gave me choices and. I couldn't find enough artists or genres that I liked to to get past the on the the entry screens so I gave up on it pretty quick.
0: So did you remember to cancel your trial?
2: Oh yeah, I canceled that months ago. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did it with one day to spare.
2: <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what the numbers are. I I don't think it's going to be fantastic for Apple but
1: well, if they're not good then they won't be broken out, so we we'll probably never know. It just probably. that it's not not as good as they would have hoped or something.
2: I think it's definitely made the other players react and and at least through marketing, you know, promote their curated library of music. Mhm. Pandora kept sending me emails about, hey, meet, meet Johnny, who created that last song, or picked that last song that you listened to. <laughs> it was quite annoying. So
0: so anyway, with El Capitan, you can't easily run Xcode 6, but you can still open up your old projects in Xcode 7, correct? And just migrate them forward?
1: Oh yeah, you yes. can do that.
0: Okay. And
2: you know, if you're still in Objective C, that's not a terrible migration. It's the going from Swift one two to two is takes a little bit more work, especially on large projects.
0: Yeah, and you're basically forced to because every time you open it up, it
2: asks you, "Do you want to migrate this?" Right? Uh, it just simply won't compile um, in Xcode seven. So you want to run it or build it you've got to migrate it
1: yeah it's kind of a bummer they don't let you build with the last like the most recent sdks or versions of a swift like it seems like they used to have better support for that like you could select build with the ios five sdk when you were running the new xcode that had the ios six sdk but you can't even go back and build with the ios eight sdk now that i know of there's just latest SDK is the option. <laughs> Why even making it an option?
0: <laughs> so there, there is no previous SDK at all, huh?
1: Nope.
0: That's nice. Good work yep. there. <laughs> That's all
1: right. I guess Post... the theory is you just download the old version of Xcode.
0: Just move forward. And run it on your old Mac. Yeah. <laughs> or grab a Parallels VM, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. If you're in a, if you're in a pinch, it's going to it'll help. But yeah, I don't that's that's a bummer cuz usually yeah, we, a, Apple tries to give a, at least a little bit of backward compatibility. Yeah, you know, they're not they don't ever guarantee it. They're not afraid of getting rid of it when they when it ser- serves them. But that's usually what they're dropping like five and ten year old software not six months ago software
2: and there's a big difference between how apple deals with deprecated things and you know a company like some microsystem back in the day like deprecate things will get marked as deprecated and then they'll be there 10 years later where apple they'll just drop it
0: right Well, actually, Java is like 20 years old now, and there are things that were deprecated from 1.0 to 1.1, and they're still there. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Sounds about right.
2: But,
0: yeah, it it does help the platform to get rid of that stuff.
2: It does. It just means there's an investment, and... You've gotta make sure you're ready to, to move forward. how Capitan kind of forces that hand a little bit,
1: yeah, I wonder if they didn't have as like as much of a developer interest if they would be able to to do this stuff the same way maybe maybe it was that initial gold rust, but people are like, oh yeah, I gotta keep supporting the latest and graves and stuff, but I mean you can see on the Mac app Store how since there was not that no monetary incentive the apps in that in the mac app store a bunch of them are garbage a lot of them are are buggy and yeah i don't know
0: well there's three less garbage ones out there now
1: right that's right
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think upgrading wouldn't have been as big of a deal if it wasn't you know for the swift language features and i'm Hopeful that it's going to slow down a bit. I mean, I'm all for making things better, but um, the opening up a project and having 100 compiler errors because something, some syntax changed. And they have the migration assistant, but it only catches a fraction of, of the issues, and then you have to go back and manually clean it up. It's not perfect any
1: means well speaking of uh the migration assistant another piece of software that has one of those seems like they just rubbed a bunch of stuff over the past couple months uh, fabric and Crashlytics. i don't know about you guys but it seems like it's it's bugging me more and more lately about stuff i think the main reason is because they used to just automatically update your Your version of Crashlytics with their little app that runs in your ran in your menu bar
2: yeah and you pretty much only knew when you went to commit and you had a hundred files that were updated yeah
1: what's this (laughs) (laughs) so i guess i have some level of appreciation that they've kind of turned that off and but now they just bug you hey your current app has the old version installed make sure Mm. you update
0: i suppose that's better than cocoapods where it says hey We've got a new beta. We'd love you to try out. And at least it's at least it's bugging you about old software, not software that's not been released yet.
2: Yeah, but I think I think CocoaPods looks at it as we still haven't hit one zero, so it's all kind of pre-release software, non-production yeah, ready fair. software <laughs> with Crashlytics. And, you know, one positive thing about the update is they now support CocoaPods, so. Um, you have a little bit more control about how you integrate it into the project. There's still steps you need to take uh, with their tooling to truly integrate it, but at least managing the libraries can be done in CocoaPods. So it's consistent with most of the other projects that you're pulling in.
0: But it's not a just drop in, rip, drop in in your pod file, right? You have to do a little extra.
2: Yeah, and there's kind of a initialization step. You go to add a a run script and get that kick that off and run it so it updates Crashlytics uh, with your key and everything and lets it know that everything's working.
1: I think it that it also uses that for the the Crashlytics build stuff that I'm guessing less and less people are using.
0: Yeah, where it's uploading your the D sims and everything.
1: Yeah, well kind of like the old Test Flight app did back when it was an Apple. But yeah, it says, "Hey, you have a new yeah. build. Do you want to submit to to Crashlytics?" And I think it also like kept track of where your your debug symbols were when it does that too.
2: Yeah, I think as as far as ad hoc distributions go, I'm definitely going to start migrating most of my projects towards Test Flight. Now that most of them aren't supporting 7 anymore.
0: Well, and also, you're going to want crash reports, symbolicated crash reports when you turn on bitcode, right? Right. And
2: and I've got some projects where the on-demand resources is kind of appealing to thin down the app for that initial install.
1: Although you don't need to be using TestFlight to get their crash reports yeah, that's just that... the apple crash reports
2: right and then for down the demand resources it's you know so we can test before production that everything's working properly
1: yeah i think that's the general direction that, that i'm moving to i guess that's where all of our stuff is now for ios test flight
0: it's a lot of moving parts yep
1: and they keep moving <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, they don't stop. That's for sure. But it is time for us to stop tonight. Yep. So do you guys want to tell us where we can find you on
2: the internet? I'm at AJ Robinson on Twitter.
1: I'm at Alex Argo.
2: And I'm at Sam Quarter.
0: The podcast is at Shared Inst on Twitter. And you can reach the podcast at Shared Instance.com podcast at gmail.com we do welcome any suggestions for things you guys would like to hear us talk about or not talk about Uh, we do also appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes and one other thing we didn't have an app of the week this week but we would love to hear have some submissions
1: I can't imagine we've exhausted the entirety of all the apps that are awesome listeners have created so send in some examples of what you've done whoa <laughs> what's going on
0: my son just printed something
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice
2: Timeout. <laughs> no no i want to leave
1: this in <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a
2: hundred-page report on. It.
1: There's there's not much news. We need to we need to fill the time with something.
2: I
0: can read you what he just printed. But this just in. <laughs> Breaking news. Of